All right, everybody, welcome to a special bonus episode of The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We don't do as many of these bonus episodes as we'd like to anymore, uh, just because of time and busyness and stuff. But this, for me, is a very special occasion. One of our uh, dear friends from the past and and longtime friend and uh, longtime listener, uh, Steve Scarlatta, is with me this week. He directed... A film recently that was released on Shudder called Shark Exploitation. And if you guys remember Steve from the past, some won't. Some might be tuning into this and be like, "What in the hell is he talking about?" But uh, <laughs> the old famous nickname from the old call-in days, when there was a lot more call-ins, of the back of Forrest Whitaker's neck. That is this gentleman right here, a, a, a celebrity unto his own right uh, in our world, and a great friend and somebody I haven't spoken to in a long time. And he's directed a film, and uh, I really wanted to talk to him about it because it's a genre that I love as well. Will couldn't be here. I just want to get that out of the way first. He had some other stuff come up, so uh, hopefully Will, everything will be okay. But uh, he's okay, by the way. Everything's okay. Just he couldn't be here. But I want to welcome Steve to the show under his real name, Steven Scarlatta. Um, Steve, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. We've been... It's crazy. We've been uh, friends for over a decade, probably well, probably close to fifteen years now. We don't see each other that much, but you live on one coast and I live on the other, and we obviously ships passing and I don't talk to each other as often. But we've always considered you a major part of our show. Um, you go back to the outside the cinema days when we were calling in, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, all those days and, and you were part of this community. And, uh, I just want to say for the record, I couldn't be more proud to know you and know that you have directed your first film. Uh, I, I just want to congratulate you on that because that is a major achievement, man. I just want to thank I, you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I know it's a lot of work. Yeah. I know you told me some, <laughs> you've already told me some, a few brief behind the scenes stories and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's hardcore. But yeah, man, it was like I was trying to figure out earlier, like I think I got on Twitter. I think I was talking to you early Twitter days. Yeah. I remember you you brought up like uh, Blade Master and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, someone else saw Blade Master. And I remember I tweeted out to you and I think that's when we kind of started talking. But yeah, it was back in <laughs> the first podcast I was listening to was probably outside the cinema. And then you guys started up the this gentleman's guide and then i started listening and because at the time i was working at the uh, racetrack i was uh during the summer i would commute from los angeles to del mar which is a two-hour commute <laughs> when i was working at the track and i needed something to listen to and i discovered podcasts and i remember yeah. like listening to your show and then people were calling in and i had to start calling in and met a lot of really cool people man during that time it was, yeah. and then keeping up with them on Twitter and then that whole pop syndicate website. And it was just this whole family. It was, it was awesome. And to this day, yeah, I still talk to people and follow people on Instagram and <laughs> especially Rupert. And yeah, and, uh, I don't even know his never called by his real name. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? only, only, I think maybe the only time I've ever called him by his real name, uh, is when I've met him in person. But yeah, Rupe is, uh, I call him Rupe all the time. But, uh, uh Steve's talking about Rupert, uh, Pupkin, uh, basically his online handle, but Brian Sauer, who hosts the pure cinema podcast is also a friend of ours, not to name drop, you know, we're just, we're just dropping <laughs> names like crazy here, 
But, um, Steve, you also have a podcast of your own that you do that I didn't even. So here's how out of it I am. Of course, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life personally, but I had no idea that you were doing a podcast called uh, The Best Movie. Is it The Best Movie That Never Made? Is that what it is? Yeah, Best Movies Never Made. The best Movies Never Made. I had no idea this was going on. <laughs> this is a podcast that kept getting recommended to me. You know how the algorithms go and everything with the. Uh, iTunes and whatnot, and it kept get it kept getting recommended to me. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to follow this podcast. I just never got around to listening to an episode, and I was like, you know, this has got to be good. At some point, I'm going to get caught up on some of my other shows, and I'm going to check this show up. I got a nice girthy library, and then here I am doing this research on shark exploitation film, uh, knowing you did it and stuff, and boom, here you are. You you you've been doing a podcast for. Several years uh, with, uh, uh, oh man, I can't remember the gentleman's name. Is it Josh Miller? Is that his name? Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, there we go. How about that? My memory is still not too bad. <laughs> uh, writer of films, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog would probably be the biggest film he's written, but I, I think he's written some other stuff. I don't know off the top of my head. I apologize, Josh, if I ever speak to you or ever meet you. Um, but uh, you guys do a great job. I've listened to five or six episodes in preparation for talking to you. And I love it. I love it. I love the, I just listened to the Adam Rifkin one. Uh, You guys didn't ask him about Invisible Maniac. I'm always the one person who wonders (laughs) when, who's going to ask Adam Rifkin about Invisible Maniac. It's like he won't talk about it anymore, but I don't. (laughs) Yeah, he's one of my favorite guests. I got to say, like he rules. And as you can see in in the show, he's just open to talk about everything. He's amazing. I, I met him, not to name drop, I got invited to like some, my, the uh, my person who taught me how to write, uh, his name is Alejandro Seri. Now he's the uh, like executive producer at Final Draft. He was like my writing partner for years, and he invited mm-hmm. me to a Final Draft party. And Adam Rifkin was there, and I ran up to him. I was like, "Oh my god, dude!" I started naming all these words like the Dark Backwards. I named, I mentioned Invisible Maniac. I mentioned <laughs> Psycho Copper. I mentioned all of his early stuff going overboard. And he was like, damn, you are a fan. And then I got to say, he was so nice. And from that moment on, we became friends on Facebook. And this is before Jodorowsky's Dune or ev- anything. Right. And he was so, I mean, I was in, I mean, I had New York hardcore in the 90s. And that was it. But he never saw that. But he was just so nice to me, you know, that became friends with me on Facebook and invited me to some things. And just that's kind of guy he is, man. Just such a nice, nice, nice guy. And so now I have a, now to have a podcast and have him on it and to interview him about like all of his adventures and unmade movies. He's incredible. He's, he's the real deal. Yeah. The real deal. Yeah. True. You can tell he's one of those guys. He's like, uh, well, he's like so many of those film buffs we love. Right. I mean, he's, he's, he's the real deal. He can name drop a thousand movies and you're like, I may have seen 15% of those. <laughs> oh, seriously. And he had such an adventure. Yeah. I mean, not to promote my show, but we think yeah. like in his early twenties, he pitched like a planet of apes movie, this insane planet of apes movie. And, and he thought, you know, I think it, he was in his early twenties and that's where he got his start. It's yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, definitely check out that episode. That's a that's a great episode. And uh, yeah, you should p- push your show. I know you don't push stuff. He, for those who don't know, Steve's a very modest guy, a very uh, laid back gentleman, sweet gentleman, and uh, doesn't really push himself. Uh, it kind of reminds me of myself quite a bit. I'm, I'm not a self promoter either, uh, so I understand where he's coming from. I guess we're just not comfortable in that much limelight. I guess we like it a little bit, not a lot, but. 
Um, yeah, that check out that podcast. Definitely. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great listen. So I want to talk about a little bit about your background. You did produce a few films, uh, New York city hardcore, as you talked about, that was in 99 Jodorowsky's Dune, which arguably for me is the best film, uh, documentary. You worked as a producer on that about a film that didn't get made. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, folks know how much I love that film. I can't believe it's ten years old at this point. That is I, un- unbelievable to me. <laughs> oh, dude, it's terrifying. To think. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you did work on a, uh, I believe, a narrative film that I never got around to seeing. I always meant to. Uh, Beyond the Gates. Uh, I believe you worked on that, and then you are a producer and a director for Shark Exploitation. Um. So you've had some adventures, and I've known you for a little while now. I know you've worked in television and things like that, too. I can still remember <laughs> sitting in Rupert's house watching some a top-secret television project and us having a great time laughing about that. <laughs> yes, that's the most GG, GGTMC television show ever, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a riot. <laughs> um, but... Um, I want to, you know, just kind of get into this. Let's get into this film and let's get into talking about it. You know, the genesis of the idea, the, uh, where does this all start for you? Shark exploitation. How does this adventure start for Steve Scarlatta? Oh, it's as a kid being obsessed with Jaws, like everyone else. And, you know, we grew up around the same time. Yeah. We're very similar um, in age for our listeners. We're, we're with, within a year of each other's age. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So I saw Jaws during one of its re-release. My dad used to just come home and grab me and we'd just go see it at any point of the movie in the theater. Yeah. So I loved Jaws so much. And then so from that moment on, it's like chasing the dragon. I needed to see sharks in anything, you know, so like shark movies, they were rare. But whenever they were on going through the TV guide, staying up at night and watching them or if they appeared on a TV show or just appeared in anything, I needed to see it. So I was just always a huge shark fan because of Jaws. And then, yeah, man, in the 90s, Deep Blue Sea came out and it was a big event. And then all these shark movies kept coming out and it was it was an exciting time. And I guess what happened was is just I always had kind of the idea in the back of my head to maybe do a book, but I'm dyslexic. So uh. realistically, I don't think I'm going to be able to write a book. I think today, if I had the tools that everyone had today, like Grammarly, and chat GPT, I think it would have been a lot better, better and easier for me growing up mm-hmm. with dyslexia. But, you know, now it's it's it just it's not easy being dyslexic, but now having Grammarly, something that helps form your sentences and all this other stuff, it's a it's an advantage. But I couldn't write a book. So mm-hmm. I just thought about doing a documentary. And um, so I've been working on this other doc. So Jorowski's Dune came out and then. Uh, and then it was just that thing, like, what am I going to do now? You know, and then I just thought about doing a shark documentary. And luckily, my camera guy, Jim Coons, that I'm working on a different project with about movie novelizations. Oh, yeah. He just told. Yeah, he just told me, like, dude, if there's time on my schedule, I will shoot it for you. Just just make this movie. He kind of got sick of me talking about it. So I just started. First interview we got was with Roger Corman, because the first paycheck i ever made in the film industry was from roger corman nice i was a set dresser i was building sets for a movie some al capone movie uh martin sheen was in and someone else god who's the other fucking guy anyway that was my first paycheck ever and i remember being in corman's offices 
and standing by a waiting to sign my paperwork and there was a future kick poster in front of me the fucking <laughs> bond the dragon wilson terminator ripoff poster oh yeah dude and i swear to god i was like i made it that day i was like holy shit i'm here anyway you know so um so the first person i went after was roger corman he was my first interview and then and then i started outlining the movie and then i gotta say dude i'm i'm, I'm happy i jumped into the fray because it was a beast. It was like we should have interviewed over like 35 people. And, and I think if my mind was different, I knew how much work was going to go in this fucking thing. Yeah, I probably I don't know if I would have started it because, man, it was it was hardcore, man. You know, and I think I told you also. And plus, I'm working. At, I work jobs and in between the jobs, I'm setting up shoots. And, you know, it's a uh, you know, it's like you're not making money making documentaries the whole time. It's not like, oh, I have all this money. I'm going to keep doing these interviews. It's like I'm working a job. I got to I got to like schedule interviews around the job and go shoot them and do all that, you know, and then you got to transcribe all this shit because you don't have a lot of money. You know, you don't have a crew. You know, I'm not I wish, you know, I hope to be Netflix level one day and have like people, tons of people. But when this first started, it was just, you know, you do so much of the work. And I did have Josh Miller for my podcast is also a producer on it. He was a lot of help also. And then later on, we got this other producer, Carrie Dignam Roy, who produced that psycho shower documentary. Oh. And that came in during like the, the last two years of it. Cause I've been working on it for a while. It's just one of these, you know, <laughs> I just wanted to start it. And then, so we started, you start gathering interviews and sticking it together for like a little sizzle. And then that's when you can kind of start gaining interest and getting more people to jump on board to help you out. And just to show like, you know, you're serious. And that's kind of like how it all started. Right. You know, that right. was kind of the thing, you know, it was, uh, well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that, that is great. I think uh, I'm looking now, I think that film might've just been called Dillinger and Capone. That's it. Yes. Yeah. That's the one. Martin yeah, Sheen like, and F Murray Abraham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first ever paycheck I ever made on a movie. Wow. F Murray Abraham is Al Capone. That is not, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not top of the list. Uh, Wow, what a cast though! Jeffrey Combs is in that. Sasha Jensen and Don Stroud. I've never seen it. I should watch it. Actually, uh, yeah, I should. Oh, Maria Ford's in it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, probably some early Jeffrey. Oh Dean wow! <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah, what a cast! Oh, shit. I need. Yeah, I need to watch this shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was the that was the Corman thing because he he would build a set, you shoot a movie, and then another movie was written to use the same set. Right. And yeah. um, I don't think I worked on the following movie to that because I remembered. Yeah, because then one day he built a boat set <laughs> and then I worked on the second boat set movie, which was Connoisseur 3, which is like, of course, won't you put a dinosaur on the boat? You know, because we have this boat set and it was like, you know, Nick from Family Ties fucking chasing a raptor with a fucking axe around the boat. I mean, we worked on. Yeah. And as, go, sorry. No, no, no. As film buffs and film fans like you and I are. It's still very cool that your first paying job was with Roger Corman. I mean, that's that's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I am proud of. I guess yeah. say. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, it wasn't directing or or writing. It was you know, it was set work, but it was cool as hell. You know, because as a kid, you know, you hear about those stories, and there I was, finally. You know, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the future kick poster. I would have been just like you. I'd have been like, dude, I made it. There's a Don the Dragon Wilson poster on the wall. <laughs> and everybody would have been looking around like, who is Don the Dragon Wilson? I'm like, you don't know? 
Oh, uh, hell yeah, man. Like you had Cinemax <laughs> in the late 80s. Yeah. Doesn't he have the boss battle with Chris Penn in that movie too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we I'd recently watched one of those. I re- recently rewatched a Don the Dragon Wilson film I hadn't seen in forever with a, a good oh. friend of the show, uh, Red Sun Rising. And uh, I was just blown away by, first of all, how cheesy it was, but also by how amazing it was at the same time. So. Oh, which one? Red Sun Rising, I think, is the name of it. Oh, Red Sun Rising. I don't yeah. know that one. Yeah, yeah. You should check it out. It's uh, uh it's it's really good. Um, well, so let's let's get into the zeitgeist moment that you kind of mentioned to kind of you know, let's be honest. Shark exploitation probably doesn't exist without Jaws. Jaws is a uh, a pop culture moment. There's been a few moments like this in film history. I guess there always will be a few moments like this in film history. I can't think of any that affected me and my generation more. I mean, maybe Star Wars uh, for the reasons that we all know, you know, toys and and just the fantasy of it and everything else. But Jaws was something that actually changed the way it, it was such a pop culture moment. I don't think people can understand sometimes. I mean, people stopped going to beaches because of Jaws. People would go on summer vacations to a beach. And after Jaws, they would think twice about going to the beach or even going in the water if they did go to the beach. So it was this amazing moment. And what I also remember about that era, I don't remember a lot because I was very young. I was probably only four or five years old. But, you know, movies played a lot longer back then, right? Oh, yeah. And I remember TV spots. And you brought this up in the documentary. I don't remember a lot of films getting TV spots up to that point. I certainly don't remember any before Jaws because that was such a pivotal moment. You know, I had the toy. You brought that up in the documentary as well. Jaws was a big part of that. So let me ask this question. What do you think it is about Jaws that works so well? Um, Outside of the fact that we know it's made by a master filmmaker. What do you think it is that has made that film last the test of time? Ooh, that's a good question. I think is, I think everything was aligned at that moment for that movie. It was the, you know, everyone knows the shark really didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helped the movie because it was, you know, it, what happens is Spielberg goes to this Island. They're making the movie. He brings his writer with him. The shark is not working. So it gave more time for him every night to hang out with the writer figure stuff out like they the the cast there a lot of them were just people that lived in that town so it gave the movie this lived in quality it became like the perfect 70s movie right he had just had more time to tighten it and tighten it and tighten it when he was there because like you said he's a master filmmaker Mm -hmm. you know and so it was just like all those things aligned you know it's just they had time to like usually you're being rushed on a movie you know and that's why you know, lots of times when things come out like, oh, there's reshoots for this movie and then all these, you know, bo- you know, all these uh, reports come out. The movie's in trouble doing reshoots. It's like, nah, man, every fucking movie does reshoots. It's just what happens. It's just like you're yeah. being rushed to shoot a movie, right. you know? So it, it, it's like you have to go back and do reshoots. Every movie does reshoots, you know? It's like you can't, you know, it's it's difficult. You know, yeah. not not every movie, but a majority of movies does reshoots. And he just had the he just had all the time to make the movie better and better being there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what really helped. 
And of course, the whole thing with the shark not working, you didn't see it as much and all that, that because originally you saw it throughout the movie. If you look at the storyboards, it just it all lined, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And he had an, an amazing editor also that that ripped he had the perfect score like how does all this stuff just come together yeah the perfect cast mm-hmm. everything you know yeah that's what's amazing to me as i've gotten older and i think about it and i know uh, this has kind of come up recently because tarantino had mentioned it in a either a podcast or maybe in his book the jaws is the greatest quote-unquote movie ever made um which by saying that he's saying entertainment property as much as you know instead of film or maybe art yeah but i you know i've watched that film off and on over the years um and you know some have blamed it for the the kind of internal detonation of the 70s uh of filmmaker world but i mean the truth is kind of what you just said i mean it's a 70s film through and through mm-hmm. it's a movie about characters talking around tables and getting to know each other and being complicated. One is a, you know, struggling ex-cop from a big city, moved to a small town. Another is potentially this, well, one is definitely an alcoholic fisherman. And one is also this kind of, the scientist who, it's almost like nobody can take him seriously and stuff. And these characters don't really exist in movies anymore. These kind of flawed characters. And I think that's that that's always overlooked. Uh, about the movie is these characters are very real but man you you bring up a very important point and i'm glad you kind of hit on it talk about the stars aligning for somebody i i I can't imagine a more disastrous moment shooting that movie more disastrous feeling he must have felt like he was rock bottom at times and yet all of those things working for him john williams that score that score that is it's arguably well, of course, John Williams probably has arguably the five most recognizable scores in movie history anyway. <laughs> but Jaws is that theme is it's it's unbelievable. It, it, it'll go on. It'll it'll last forever. It'll live on well after the human race is gone, more than likely. But the direct. Oh, you totally. Know, yeah. You know, uh, editing, uh, the, the way the film is shot, uh, you know, the writing, everything about it, the improv- improvisation from some of the actors, including Robert Shaw, just a, a zeitgeist moment. And, you know, I can still remember it like it. I mean, I can do I can remember. I just want to share this one moment. Like, So I had this when I was a kid. I saw the movie because, of course, I, I cried and cried and cried until my parents took me to see it. And, you know, we're of a we're of a generation where our parents took us to movies that probably sometimes they shouldn't have taken us to. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jaws, maybe not so much, although I, I think by the time I saw it, I was probably four or five years old. So I was too young because it was. It was, it scarred me for life. Um, I was already scared of water, um, but uh, I have a natural fear of water, deep bodies of water, which you bring up in this film. I, I wrote down the title of the the phobia, which I'll try to say here in a few minutes. Um, but knowing that there's this big creature out there that can eat me very quickly scarred me for life. So I would have these dreams where I was on my bed, but I was in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Oh man! And the shark would be swimming around, you know. And I always, you know, that's haunting. Yeah, I always thought to myself, if I ever make a film, I'm gonna put that in some type of dream sequence somehow, where there's me floating, or not me per se, but whoever floating on a bed, and there's a shark around, and everything else. Of course, as my 
sensibilities have changed. Knowing me, the shark would probably talk like Al Capone and be cast by, I'd probably cast <laughs> F. Murray Abraham as the shark. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> but let's kind of get into that a little bit. So you took a, an approach with this film that I kind of, I really enjoyed. I, I had no idea. I, I didn't, uh, for the record, I did not talk to Steve before I saw this film. Nothing. I went in as cold as can be. And uh, I like the approach you took. You brought in some marine biologists. You brought in some uh, psychologists, uh, uh, some monster experts. Uh, Rebecca uh, uh, McKendry, I believe, is in there, right? Uh, yes. She's in there. Uh, some of you may know her. Um, so you, you ran the gamut. You, uh, you decided you were going to tackle this subject from the academic side uh, and from the pop culture side. And I really appreciated that. And I discovered from watching this film that there is a fear of deep water, I guess, called the lassophobia, I think. Yes, that's what Therese. I can't say it. I'm <laughs> dyslexic like this. <laughs> I'll destroy it. I destroy yeah. If you hear my podcast, I destroyed names like you wouldn't believe. But yeah, <laughs> that's close. Yeah, that's 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 probably how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this kind of a personal question. Why do you think it is? you know, kind of tied to that thalassophobia idea. Why do you think it is that sharks scare us? You kind of open the documentary with this kind of question. You're kind of pondering this in the film. I'd like to hear from the director himself. Why do you think it is that sharks scare us? I mean, I'll just, I mean, they scare me. Like I won't, <laughs> I mean, they, they do. I mean, when I went on my honeymoon to Hawaii, I only stayed in the water for a few minutes at a time because oh. I, I f would freak out that I was going to get attacked by a shark. <laughs> I swear to God, man, I would just get out of the water. I am terrified to this day of sharks and going in the water because of Jaws. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all that is like, that's my fear. And I hear it like you brought up the score. I hear the score. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, that score is going to be with me for the rest of my life when I step into a pool at night to going into the ocean, most likely the ocean. I wouldn't say as much as a pool. When I was a kid, it was like that. But as an adult, you know, you know, I don't, that that doesn't. But going, going into water, I'm, I'm freaked out by sharks. Yeah, I am terrified of them. I know they say the chances are so, you know, struck by. Yeah, but what that. But, you know, I don't want to play the lottery. <laughs> they freak me out. And plus, you know. I, I, this is what I feel. I just feel like we've, we polluted the ocean so much and we've overfished so much. That's why there's been like so many shark, shark encounters at the beach because, yeah. you know, it's like there's no, nothing else to eat and the ocean has changed so much. That's probably why they're coming closer to shore. Yeah. And I think the news freaks us out too because they always do these reports. Oh, the sharks are by the water. Or close to the beach, but it's like they've always been close to the beach. It's just we just didn't know. Now that we have drones and shit, we see them close to the beach. But they've always been. I mean, we've probably been in the ocean so many times. Yeah, and one's probably been not that far from us, but we just had no idea. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Freaky. Yeah, no, you it's know, pretty it's crazy. Just, you talk I mean, about that, just, that drone just, footage. I've seen some of that drone footage, and it just like I'm like, never again. I'm not going back in there. I'm not done. <laughs> Yeah, man, they're 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 biased. It's just they, you know, they just don't want to bother, or it's just the one encounter where they're like, oh, let me go, you know, yeah, check out because you know sometimes restaurants are because this is the thing the news drives me crazy because there'll be there'll be an encounter, a horrible like bite that will take place, and the news will focus on that, but they won't focus on like a couple of days later when you find out, oh, restaurants were pouring out rotten food into the ocean that drew the animal. Yeah, close to yeah. do the 
encounter. They won't touch on that. They will leave. Let's leave that part out, but let's just focus on this. You know, it's, I don't go, I don't, I, I respect them. It's their home. I don't need to, you know, I'd rather do the pool, but anyway, that whole opening and pondering and all that, that's just, you know, it's not just me. It's a, it's a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. 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 No, no, I totally agree. I really liked the approach. I really did. I, I thought that was a really nice touch. And, well, you know, thank you. yeah, you, you tackled some other important films, uh, you know, uh, Blue Water, White Death, which is uh, uh, a kind of a seminal. It took me years to see that. That's a documentary film. I'm a huge documentary fan, uh, as most of our listeners know, and you may know. Um, that one took me years to see. And I remember people talking about it and stuff, and that kind of blew me away. And, of course, you know, I, I grew up in an era just like you did where we saw a lot more shark stuff. Um then, uh, you know, when we were kids, there just wasn't a lot of shark footage out there. There's tons of shark footage now. Now, I mean, hell, there's a whole shark week. Yeah. And, you know, shark month, shark this, shark that, <laughs> there's shark shirts, there's shark everything. Um, yeah, so I had a question on here. It says, do you swim? I guess I know the answer to that question oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I'm, I'm, i might bring the pool thing back up later because you know there's some other films you kind of touch on in this so you see jaws your kid and everything else and now you got this insatiable appetite just like i do just like all of us film fans do and we see something that really floats our boat uh, no pun intended um now we want to see everything involving the shark uh you tackle quite a bit of stuff in here matter of fact you go way back in time I don't want to give away too much about the documentary because I want people to watch it, and I won't mention some of the older films. But you tackle the whole a little bit of the old uh, treasure hunting genre, which was a uh, a bit of a genre in the uh, mid '40s to mid '60s, I'd say, late '60s maybe. Um, yes. Before they made the shark a villain, uh, the shark was always just kind of there. And so you tackle some of that stuff with some uh, some pretty interesting choices in films. In doing your research for all this, was there anything that kind of surprised you about these older films? Because watching your film, I got a few surprises, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess because I didn't watch a lot of them growing up, the earlier ones, because, we, I mean, I think we all have our... I mean, I wish I was more like we brought him up earlier in the show, Rupert, who... Uh-huh always blows my mind with the types where the time periods of movies he's watching, you know, and I'm like, Jesus, man, I wish I can yeah. tackle earlier movies, but I'm, I'm not like that. You know, I worked once with this, with this guy that was like, I don't watch anything before 1990, you know? <laughs> and I was like, all right. You know, he was much younger, you know, yeah, but yeah. that's how I think that's how I grew up. When, when I was a kid, I wouldn't watch anything before the seventies, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and then it wasn't until I got into film school and all that stuff is when I would just start venturing and oh, there's more movies and you know, mm-hmm. and they're good, you know. So, yeah, so I didn't watch a lot of those early. I, I watched a lot of these early shark movies when I started working on this movie mm-hmm. because I because I, I what I did is I put together an Excel sheet where um, it was just like when I was start start shooting interviews and all this stuff, and then I was like, you know what, I need to put together an Excel sheet. I need to see every single shark movie that ever came out. Not not like I need to see. I need to see it uh, laid out. So I created a, an Excel sheet. And that's what started blowing my mind. I was like, holy shit, there was quite a – sharks have been around for years in film. Right. You know, it wasn't just Jaws. I mean, I knew there was a few movies before Jaws. But when I was putting together my Excel sheet, that's when it was blowing my mind. I mean, there's still 
movies on my Excel sheet, I can't even find. They're just not out there, you right. know, and I wasn't right. able to track down or find. But that's what kind of blew my mind was like, oh, my God, they've been making these movies. The first one is from 1931, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> that's in, that's insane. It's I'd, almost like nine, 90 years of sharks yeah. in, in film. I didn't know. I could have not have named the first. I have not seen it either. Uh, that first film you mentioned in the documentary, I could not have named that. And uh, I was kind of stunned. And now I really want to see that. <laughs> yeah, it might be on YouTube. It might be. It might be. Yeah, it might, might be. But uh, what was the name of that film? I, I guess I probably uh, should. Ta- ta- taboo, T-A-B-U. Oh, yeah. T-A-B-U. T-A-B-U taboo. So, yeah, and I want to make sure I mention that in case any of our listeners want to go out there and do the adventure. Because there's a lot of stuff in here that you guys, you tackle that, you know, there's some stuff in here that's near and dear to my heart. Stuff like, you know, you kind of, you kind of tackle the derivatives of the Jaws, which is obviously you've known me for a long time and I know what kind of film fan you are and you know what kind of film fan I am. And so we love the derivatives of, you know, the originals. So, you know, we love the tentacles and the Tino Terrara and, or however you, however you say it, Tino Terrara. I can't, (laughs) we love that. You got a poster up behind you there. Yeah. I was was trying to figure out what size it on. (laughs) So, I mean, we love these, these kind of derivatives and stuff like even like you mentioned in the documentary, stuff like the car and, uh, alligator and things like that. And even, uh, you know, more direct, kind of uh ripoffs in a way of like uh piranha which i always love the stories you get joe dante for your documentary i always love the stories of piranha because joe dante's like you know he, he even sits on his commentary a long time ago i mean he opens that film with somebody playing a jaws game like he he knows what he's doing <laughs> he he is appreciating at the same time he's making his derivative version of jaws and uh i really love that you go into that and i gotta assume and this is kind of a question wrapped up in a and an assumption here that you like me grew up looking for these films whenever you could stuff like killer fish and, and just anything piranha Two, the spawning, which, you know, people said piranhas are going to fly. I'm like, Oh my God, I got to go see this movie. <laughs> you know? And of course it didn't quite pay off the way I wanted it to. It did in other ways, but you know, but I'm, I'm, oh, I'm sure you grew up that way. Oh no, a hundred percent, dude. You're, you're so, you're so right. Because, I thought I saw like in Fangoria they were doing like a a video review of Piranha Two, and that's the first time I ever saw a photo of it of the poster with the f- flying piranhas, and I was like, I got to see this movie. I was freaking out, yeah. like that must be the ultimate. And like, you know, you just come across like a poster of tentacles or something, you know, because you know, like I got you know back then it was it was hard. It was like you had to wait for it to come on either cable or on television. And if it came on television, you either had to set your VCR or you had to stay up to 1130 to watch it on channel nine on a Saturday night. When yeah, it would just yeah. happen to play it, you know, and same thing with up from the depths. I remember staying up so late to watch that, like on TV, not even on cable, you know, with commercials and shit. Yeah. You know, like on channel nine or something. And you would, but be- yeah, I was in the hunt for all that stuff. Oh God. Yeah. And you would be lucky to see, I mean, I I don't recall growing up seeing very many Italian films, except Hercules films, mm. sword and sandal stuff on television. 
Maybe there was some other stuff. Maybe spaghetti westerns. I saw a few of those on TV, but I didn't see the. I didn't see most of the spaghetti or the uh, the horror Italian stuff, especially the '80s ripoff era, until VHS. Until I was going yes. to the video store all the time. Yes, they never really played that on cable. Yeah, yeah from we- what I knew, and I read that cable book. When the moment <laughs> that that cable book came, it oh, was yeah. like marking it and going through every. You know, you Dude. did the same thing. <laughs> I did. I scheduled my life. Yeah. Around that book. I mean, oh, this yeah. is no joke, dude. I got that book. I can't remember the name of that little book we used to get in the mail. But I get oh, that little God. book, and we we had all, at the time, there was three movie channels. There was the movie channel, and this is the mm-hmm. States. Uh, there, yes. In my area, there was the movie channel, there was Showtime, and there was HBO. And that was the yes. three. There wasn't Cinemax yet, but there was those three. And I would go through, we had all three, because then we all the kids in the neighborhood would come to our house. And my mom and dad just paid like an arm and a leg for this. No, there's no doubt about it because we were the only kids I know that had cable TV. And um, we would just, we would circle things that, you know, anything that was fantastic or uh, phantasmagoric or anything that was bizarre, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we got to do this. I mean, that's how I saw Westworld. That's how I saw so many films for the first time. But I don't remember any of those uh, those Italian ripoffs, really. Uh, maybe some of the zombie stuff, maybe. But I don't remember anything else. No, the, the, for me, it wasn't until, like you said, VHS and then reading about stuff in Fangoria. Yeah. That was like what kind of steered me to rent it. Yes. I mean, the first, I think, was I, I watched WWF. That's <laughs> what it was called in the 80s. Now it's WWE. And the cool thing about watching that in the 80s was they would play – every genre horror commercial of a movie that was about to play in the theaters. Yes. That's when I first saw the creepers trailer. Yeah. And that's how I became familiar with Argento was because I saw the trailer on WWF. <laughs> I rented it as soon as it came out. And that's what, and that movie got me into Iron Maiden and it got me, I didn't know who the director was, but when I kept getting Fangoria's and learning about Argento and, and learning, Oh, he made that. And then he made, you know, there was no internet, old man over here. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, and that's how you kind of learn about things. But yeah, it was through VHS, and you needed some type of magazine guide to help you. <laughs> you yes. know, like yes. teach you. Yeah, like this isn't this isn't a U.S. thing. Because when I first saw Demons, I didn't know that was Italian. I was like, oh, this is where they shoot this. This movie is so weird. Yeah, you know, because yeah, yeah. listening to Billy Idol, it must be in the U.S., but it's not. You know, I didn't know. It was, you know, yeah, I was maybe I wasn't, I wasn't a bright kid, but I was really young. You know? Well, I mean, the the for our generation, um, we'd see these Italian films, and we didn't really know they were Italian films. We just thought they were horror yeah. films. And there was always, as as there still is, there's always something a little off about Italian films. <laughs> yeah, and it's that it's that lens of America through Italian eyes, and mm-hmm. which Will and I've talked about over the years. And that's the great thing about it; it makes it unique. And when I think of that, I think of you know, again, I can't say it right, Tino Tarara or whatever. But I think of that film, and I think of Tentacles and films like that because those Americans in those films. They're not like any Americans I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great. That's what makes uh, them so great, right? Is they're just like totally. <laughs> they're so American in some ways, and in other ways, <laughs> they're not American at all. It's like what what is wrong with you people? That's not what we do. <laughs> oh, it's genius. Yeah, and it's 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 a forgotten era, right? So yeah, and a lot of film fans. My son, who's growing up and loving movies and is podcasting a little bit and doing things like that. 
you know, he's 13 and he's finding these things and he's getting older and I can expose him. I don't expose him to too much Italian stuff because a lot of it is pure trash, but he, <laughs> you know, he's getting exposed to this stuff slowly and stuff. And he's kind of blown away by this whole world that exists out there like that. Um, so I want to make sure I mentioned, uh, you know, you do get a host of folks in here. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to make you pick who your favorite. I'm not going to do that to you. But how how great was it getting some of these folks to talk about shark movies with you? I mean, you got you know, Joe Dante in here. I mean, you actually talked to Roger Corman. Um, you know, I I don't know any of that one gentleman. I don't know where he's from, and I don't have his name. And I'm a, I'm not a professional interviewer, but he's the gentleman that wrote the book uh, from God to Villain or uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, he's, he's re- awesome. Yeah, he's a great interview because he really goes into depth about kind of the beginnings of the shark in film history and in, 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 in popular history to, you know, the fact that the shark has become this villain and uh, kind of pop culture and this monster. Yes. I found his book like late in the process of making this movie and thank God I found it because he just put it out in, it's coming out like a hardcover soon Okay, good. from gods to movie villain. Please pick it up, support him. He's incredible. Yes. Christian, his last name is B O G H. I don't want to, like I said, I, I I destroy names. Yeah, Bogue, so maybe, ha- Bogue, maybe. Yeah, I'm, yeah, he, he, I'm so happy I, I found that book, and I reached out to him immediately, and he was so nice, and then we had a camera crew go over there and interview him. I, it was like 3 in the morning here, talking to him about Charlotte. It was like, it felt like a dream. <laughs> I was so tired. But he was awesome, and I'm very lucky I found him. He's, he's phenomenal, and it was uh, phenomenal. That book blew my mind because I was like, Oh my God, where have you been? You know, it's yeah, like, this yeah, yeah. is cause he wrote about, he, his book was what I was trying to do with the movie. It was like right. talking about these movies with respect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not like, Oh, I'm going to make fun of this movie, planet of the sharks. I'm going to make fun of it. No, no, no. He talks about it with respects, you know, and I love planet of sharks, right. You know? And it's like, I don't like to make fun of these movies. I'm not going to approach a documentary where I'm going to make fun of stuff because that's just, ah, it's not what I want to do. You know, yeah. I respect cinema and I respect a lot. What, what you don't learn about in film school is like the guy who made Planet of the Sharks. His name is Mark Atkins. He made Empire of the Sharks, made Six Headed Shark Attack. Um, he's a journeyman filmmaker. And you don't learn about this in film school. Like these are filmmakers that get a gig and they have two weeks to shoot the movie. And this dude like shot, like does the camera work, edits. He created, he did the animation for these shows. Like, it's yeah. like, I respect that. Like, I know some people could watch those movies and make fun of it, but it's like, yeah, you don't know that one person did all this and he completed it. And with no time, no sleep and put all of his effort into it. And I just respect that. So yeah. that's why when I tackled the movie, I wanted to, to tackle everything with respect. And, um, and every time I reached out to someone, I, I made sure to tell them, I'm not here to make fun of your movie. I respect what you do. Right. You know? And so, but yeah, I was lucky to get like Joe Dante. He was one of the first. Nice. And he was nice enough to do the movie. And while, and the moment we shut the camera off, he turned to us like me, Jim Coons and Josh Milley. He's like, why are you making this? It's <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I've, after he did the interview. Why so, are you making this? I don't understand what this is. Such a, such, such a Joe Dante yeah, thing yeah. to say. <laughs> Such a badass wearing the vest. So cool, man. He did the whole interview. Very cool. And the interview was great. And he was like, why are you doing it? I don't understand what this is. 
Yeah. You know, and then that was the hard thing was trying to, you know, I hid the name of the movie from pretty much all the guests because mm-hmm. I didn't want them to see the name of the movie to get a feeling of I was trying to do something bad with the movie. I had right. to call the movie shark exploitation because it's the genre and it's what Hollywood did. It was, it's like double meaning. Right. Right. Cause yeah. Cause I got the guy that did the reef. I couldn't shoot his interview. He was nice enough to shoot his own interview in Australia with an iPhone oh, in nice. 4k and, and send it to me. Nice. And then, then I sent him the release and he saw the title of the movie and he was like, dude, I'm not signing this release. And I was like, and then I had her like write, I wrote multiple emails to him just trying to explain myself. I'm like, dude, please, this is this is not what you think it's going to be. Right. It's like I respect you, I respect your movie, and that's why I asked you the question because that's he's in the ending of the movie talking about how much he loves and respects sharks, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And that's what you know. And I was telling him that that's the point of the movie too. It's like even though you make these movies, you respect them. You yes. Know? So and anyway, yeah, it was. I was very humbled. A lot of people turned me down. But I was humbled for the people that said yes and trusted me. I was very lucky. And it was a good time. And I had a great time meeting these people and talking with them. The marine biologists were trusted me. I'm very thankful that they trusted me because they didn't have to. You know, they're like, those are real marine biologists. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> they have, yeah, real, yeah. you know, they're real. And they trusted me. And I'm very thankful. And they, they seem to like the movie, too, which I'm very humbled by so yeah it was it was challenging but you know but then you're when you're obsessed with something you want to do it right i think hopefully people can kind of see it in you that you're not out to exploit you know right you just want to tell the the, the the story yeah i mean I, I can see where you're coming from i can see where they would think that maybe some would think that yes but i mean obviously i come from a world and i know you do too where exploitation is not a bad word right i mean that's mm-hmm. that's part of film that's part of the world of filmmaking you know you exploit those things and the shark is something that you know it's been exploited sure and i don't know if it's ever going to go away in saying that <laughs> do you think this genre will will it ever die i i i mean i i have my opinion do you think it will ever die i i i ha- I mean, it died briefly in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, people could argue with me, but there were still shark. Yeah, there were still shark movies. I mean, what, I mean, what happened was Jaws of Revenge came out. <laughs> and then, you know, that was the last theatrical shark movie. But then you had Night of the Sharks, you know, and then Deep Blood. But no one saw that. No one saw Frenzied. You know, no one saw that the mission of the shark in 1991. And then the Beast book came out, White Shark book came out, Cruel Jaws came out in 95. No one saw it in 95. It, it, we had yeah. to all wait until we can get our hands on it later on. Yeah, none so of the us, shark movie. None of us sorry, probably go. saw none of us probably saw Cruel Jaws until bootlegged uh like early 2000s, late 2000s. Exactly. Yeah. That's that exactly. So the shark movie did die after Jaws the Revenge. It did. And then it was Deep Blue Sea is what really brought it back. You know, the Meg book came out and they tried to get the Meg to the big screen. This it's a topic we're we're doing right now in our podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, but it was the Deep Blue Sea. The Deep Blue Sea actually what we learned beat the Meg was almost made into a movie in the late nineties, but Deep Blue Sea beat it to the screen, and that's why it kind of failed. It didn't come out. And so Deep Blue Sea is what brought the shark movie back and the same night that deep blue sea came out on hbo they premiered a movie called shark attack and then shark attack kind of 
started this whole VHS boom of shark movies in the 2000s. I'm getting to your answer. I'm so sorry. No, it's probably um, no problem. No problem. And so, so the shark movie died there for a second and it took deep blue sea to kind of reinvent the genre by bringing like experimenting on sharks to bring it back up. Yeah. And so, and now, okay. So when I was pitching this movie, no one wanted to give me money. And one person told me they don't even make these movies anymore. And I almost lost my shit and I had to go back <laughs> and I had to start like counting how many movies are made a year. Yeah. You know, and I was like, yeah. you know, and so like in 2021, I think there was 17 shark movies came out. That's the record ever in a year, 17 shark movies in one year. And that was in 2021. So the, uh, but in 2000, I think it was 19 is when uh, 47 meters down on cage came out. That was the only shark movie that came out that year. But after Sharknado came out like years prior, it was like 12. It was like, I think it was like seven or eight shark movies a year. And then now 2021, there was, like I said, 17 and we're still getting now. China is making them. And th- th- there was just one that came out in Egypt. There was one that just came out in France. They're making a bunch in Japan, like low budget ones. And so I, I, I think right now they're making all these lower budget ones. The Mark Polina guy is making a ton. So I don't think it's going to go away quite yet, but it could fizzle out. Yeah. But I, I don't know if I see it because I, I'm like, there are so many that are announced every year. So many get announced and don't get made. So, yeah, uh, there could be a chance we might get so burned out like we did after Joy's the Revenge. There is a chance, (laughs) but there is so much. But back when Joy's Revenge came out, there wasn't streaming. There wasn't all the shit we have now, you know. So I think now that there is. I think now it's just um, like the superhero genre. I think it's just so embedded that I don't know how. I don't know how there'll ever be a year that one movie won't come out, you know? Right. Right. You bring that up. That's interesting. I, I was talking to my son. We just saw Blue Beetle recently, and and uh, I was telling him that I think the superhero genre, unfortunately, is kind of fizzling out. And he's like, you mean there'll be no more superhero movies? I'm like, no, I think there'll always be superhero movies. Uh, there always kind of has been, in a way, but I think there'll always be superhero movies. I just don't think they'll always be as big as they are right now. And that's kind of what the the sharks did. I mean, they you brought this up in the documentary. You know, a lot of this stuff ended up uh, like Sci-Fi Channel just took it and kind of ran with it, and they would mm-hmm. run with it with titles and whatnot. And of course, I guess most infamously the title Sharknado. And there's been so many great uh, riffs on the the shark title. Uh, matter of fact, when I was doing research for this interview, I was just kind of looking at titles that coming out are coming out recently, and I think. One is called Shark Side of the Moon. Uh, yes, it's a great. I loved it, by the way. <laughs> Did you? It, yeah. It's like if you want to see the ultimate WTF movie, I know that's one of, again, I'm going to keep dropping Rupert's name in this. One of his categories. Dude, it is insane, that movie. Like, I can't believe, like, I cannot believe that movie. They go to the moon, the sharks, but it's entertaining. Like, they keep, they keep level, like, it's not boring. Yeah, well, that's important. Like, I am. I was. I'm so impressed by that movie, and that it kills me that there, we have a very short Shark Man segment in the movie. I wanted to go deeper with Shark Man because I wanted to bring in street sharks. I wanted to touch on that movie. Oh uh, yeah. I, I, I wanted to touch more on the Shark Man movie. 
But and uh, Peter Benchley's creature, the Sam the Sam Winston creation, Shark Man, because there's a whole Shark Man genre, but I can only fit in. Yeah, um, what I did early in the no, movie. No, that, that but, stuff's yeah. fascinating, right? I mean, that stuff is—it's really fascinating, and and arguably, um, I, I didn't love the 2021 version of Suicide Squad as much as f- some folks did, but I did love that King Shark uh, interpretation they did, and and I love the idea of the Shark Man. Uh, and to this day, I still joke with my daughter. I still do the Moana Shark Head thing. Like if I <laughs> like if she's like, Dad, what's wrong? And I'll be like, sad or something. I'll just point in my head and go Shark Head. Sharkhead. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's just great. Sharkhead. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. But, I, you know, I mean, all, I don't think that I, I agree with you. I don't, I, I think it'll fizzle like it always does, but that kind of gets into the kind of next subject, which is the kind of these, these, um, derivatives of the shark movie itself. And I know you're a fan of some of these films because we've known each other for a long time, but, um, uh, you you do address some of these films in the documentary stuff like alligator, uh, the car, um, uh, anacondas talk, talk talked about briefly, and then you 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 have some moments where you, you know we did have an animals attack genre kind of rebirth in the in the nineties right with the ghost of the darkness yeah. and like anaconda and some of these films Lake placid which arguably could be considered a kind of a jaws riff in some ways, and and obviously this has been going on forever I mean one of the best Jaws uh, impersonators of all time. Uh, for me, I don't know about you, but uh, for me it is. It's and that, That's Grizzly. It's, it's one of the best ones that came out of that. I love that film to death. It's it's great. Yeah. It's one of the, it's just, it's it, just, it's like, it's, it's note for note. It's Jaws, but it, that's what makes it great. It's Jaws with a it, bear. <laughs> it, 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 but it's also shot well. It's also, but it feels good. Yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense right now. No, no, you totally are. The movie works. <laughs> you know, it, the movie works. It does. Like it feels like a real movie. Yeah, everybody you in the know? movie is good. It works. And yeah, that, it's great. It's it's a great film. Going back and looking at some of those films, uh, you know, is any of those kind of uh, there any favorites in there? I'm sure there are. There have to be. I mean, I I, I love Tentacles because it's this. <laughs> It's kind of a brutal movie if you think about it. First, yeah. it, it it kills a baby, yeah, and then there's this regatta scene where the octopus is going through the regatta, all the boats, but it goes straight for the just the. It's not all these adults sailing the boats. It's going for it goes for like the young kid, young boy <laughs> who's sailing the boat. It goes directly at him and it kills him, like Shirley went, you know. And it's like it's brutal. It's like man, in the seventies. They were just fucking killing kids, man. Like the opening of Rattlers, fucking kids are dying. The swarm kids are fucking dying. Brutal, man. Kids were just being destroyed in the 70s in, in these animal yeah. movies. Like the opening of Suburbia, like two kids gets attacked by a dog. It's like brutal, dude. Yeah. I mean, Cujo is an entire movie yeah. of child terror, right? Oh, my I mean, God, man. I think it was, I think it was, you know, I mean, obviously in nature, Animals tend to attack the young because the young are mm-hmm. unknowing and usually weaker, right? So it yeah, makes sense. True. Of course, now we're so kind of protective of all that that we don't do that as much in films. But, man, that's the great yeah. thing about those old films is, like, nobody was safe. Nobody. No. And in PG movies. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah. is great, too, because it has, like, one of my favorite aquatic horror sequences. It's this night sequence where it, where it goes after a boat. Mm-hmm. Because it's all miniature, 
And it is a terrifying, to me, it's a terrifying sequence. Uh, yeah, so I think it might not be, it might not hold off, but I think that's like one of my favorites from the 70s because it has sequences in it that never left my mind as a kid. And when I went back years later to revisit it, um, then that, it's like as a kid, I remembered certain things, but then as an adult, it was that nighttime sequence that I was like, oh my God, this is terrifying. Yeah. I think for me, it might be that the fact that the, the octopus is just a terrifying creature in general. I don't know why. Oh, but it, it just, oh yeah, it totally is, man. It is. Uh, has any? Yeah, it is. It, it's quite uh, out of. Yeah. <laughs> just well, you know, eight arms. It's just it's a freakish mm-hmm. looking blob. It's just it's a freaky creature. Right. It's just I don't know. I'm, I'm always uncomfortable when I watch people. Uh, I'm going to use the plural form. I guess it's octopi. I'm always pl- uh, kind of uncomfortable mm. when I watch people fiddling around with octopi. Sounds like we're talking yeah. about some type of appetizer, but uh, <laughs> it just, it just, I don't know. There's something about them that just freaks me out. And then the fact that oh. they're, the fact that they actually have, they're pretty smart too, is actually mm-hmm. pretty freaky. Whereas like a shark is, it's just this creature that's created for consumption. Yeah. The octopus oh, is it, different. It, Oh, if you like, let's say you're diving. I haven't seen this in a movie yet. If you're diving and you want to hide in a crack, it could come into that crack and it could squeeze into places. Like yeah. I think a squeeze into a bottle. Yeah, yeah, it like, can get in. It can get into pretty much anywhere. Did you see the Meg too, by any chance? I did not see it yet. No, I did see the first Meg. And, oh, okay. And I gotta say, I, I like the beginning of the Meg. Uh, I like the surprise in the Meg, which I won't mention here in case uh, some people, because there's a twist, right? Um, I do enjoy the Meg books. I do enjoy the, I believe it's Steve Alton, I believe is the writer. I do enjoy his books uh, and the character, the lead character in that, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Oh, Jonas. Something like, yeah. Yeah, we're we're doing a whole series right now on our (laughs) show, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the Meg 2 when it does come out. It's just a... a lot of people didn't care for it, but um, well, I watch a lot of Chinese monster <laughs> movies on YouTube. Yeah, so I think if you've seen enough of those, I think you'll you'll find some fun in in it. But I, I seem I loved it, but a, a lot of people unfortunately weren't a fan. But well, I think you know people are they they judge these things too harshly. I think sometimes the first time I may have judged even the first Meg a little too harshly. I think the only problem mm-hmm. I really had with it though is it was too long. But I mean, you know, this movie attracted my attention right off the bat because I'm a big Wu Jing fan. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. Yeah. You'll like it then. I, I don't want to say anything. I, I'm excited. Yeah. Good. If you're a fan of his, you'll you'll enjoy it. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a big Wu Jing yeah. fan. That When I saw him pop up in the film, when I saw the trailer the first time, and I knew Statham was going to be in it, I knew Ben Wheatley was directing it. So I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. but then when Wu Jing's name came up, I was like, are you kidding me? This is Wu Jing yeah. in a giant shark movie. I got to see this. So I will yeah, see it pre- at some point. Pretty badass, yeah, yeah. that they put him in the movie. Like, I mean, like, biggest star in Hong Kong right now. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it is. So of the, uh, the kind of the modern shark films, is there any that have really just kind of, kind of blown you away or just kind of, you know, they kind of, you know, well, for me, I'll just, I'll just say this. It's not modern. But the last one I saw that had real impact for me, 
And I haven't, I'll, I'll just be honest and forthright. There's some films in the shark genre I have not seen. I have not seen 47 Meters Down. I've been meaning to. I have not seen The Shallows. But I was I was affected by Open Water. I was affected by that film. It's a haunting movie. That yeah, is. That, that movie is, bothered that, me. <laughs> yeah, it, it does mess with you, especially when it came out. Yes. I don't think, there wasn't a lot like it. No. Like you had Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. yeah but it was, I just didn't think it, it would work. And then I sat there and mm-hmm. watched it for the hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes, however long it is. And I'm just like, this movie is really unsettling. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think what helps is something I learned while making this movie. Like 47 Meters Down works because the director was a diver. And the same thing works with uh, Open Water. The director was a diver. Oh, okay. So he knows... He understands. And so when you're a diver, I think you get it. And I think you can make a great film, you know, and uh, say, I think you'll enjoy, I think 47, the ones you mentioned, if you haven't seen them, then you're in for a treat because those are solid movies. Good. Actually, 47 meters down is solid. The Shallows is solid. I actually, I'm one of the rare people that like the sequel to 47 meters down. A lot of people didn't like it compared to the first one because it, but you know what? It's like, how else are you going to do a sequel? I enjoy it. I mean, yeah, yeah. there was a jump scare in that movie that that got me in, in the theater, <laughs> like to actually, you know, man. Oh, my God. I'll never forget. But I like some of, some of the modern ones I'm enjoying. Like there was one that came out last year on Tubi called Shark Bait, which I enjoyed about kids that are on a jet ski and they collide and they're stuck out there with a shark. And I, I dug that one. Huh. That's from the guy who directed... He directed that awesome Scott Atkins movie, One Shot. Okay. That guy directed that one. Um, and then, like, you brought up that Shark Side the Moon movie. I, I dug that movie. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah, that I got to see that. That That's just, you know, that title alone. I got to see it. Yeah, I mean, it's an asylum movie, so you just have to set your brain. But I thought it's it's a good one. You yeah. know, for, for what they do, it was pretty good. Um, I liked the last Deep Blue Sea movie, Deep Blue Sea 3. I really dug. I thought they did a great job with that one. Um, And then, you know, then before that, then you get into the whole sci-fi channel era. And that's just a different frame of mind you have to be put into. I mean, it's either you're hungover on a Saturday, Sunday morning or... You're just a shark fan, you know? Yeah. Because I think that's the thing with sci-fi channel movies. Because a lot of people, a lot of my negative reviews were from people that hate those movies and they were upset that I got into them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would I not get into them in the movie? They're a big part of it. And I want to, you know, touch on them as important as, because they, you know, because I think you know, a lot of people don't understand. I think when you and I grew up, we had on Thanksgiving uh godzilla marathon not guys on thanksgiving we had king kong marathons and then once in a while we would have godzilla marathons oh yeah when we grew up and i think that's the sci-fi channel is what that the sci-fi generation grew up with sci-fi channel movies like how we grew up with those movies right you know like they played these all-day marathons and these crazy monster movies and i think a lot of the sci-fi generation grew up with all these crazy shark movies and they're probably they're important to a lot of that generation you right, know so right. and uh and there's some gold and there's some fun ones in there you know like um like we cover in the movie like ghost shark is fun you know and uh there was you know, <laughs> yeah i gotta a, i gotta see ghost shark i haven't seen ghost shark i didn't know anything about it until this documentary <laughs> so i gotta see ghost shark 
Yeah, there's like a lot of fun ones in there. Like there was like a toxic shark, which I enjoy, but that but that's me. I love these movies. So I'll yeah. find gold. I mean, I'll I, I think I can like when we grew up, you know, it's like I, I'm a genre movie fan, mm-hmm. you know. It's like I grew up, like I mentioned, it was like Saturdays was the greatest day in the world. We had awesome cartoons. We had WWF. Yeah. We had Glow. We had Commander USA. And at night, we had like Rhonda Shear yeah. and uh, Gilbert Godfrey up all night. <laughs> and then Joe Bob Briggs on the movie channel. And then sometimes you had Shaw Brothers movies. Like Saturday was the greatest day yeah. for being a kid and a genre movie fan. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, so I, th- so as a kid growing up with that stuff, we knew how to turn off our brains. And I think I've always been able to turn off my brain when I've been able to watch stuff throughout my life, you know, so I can always kind of enjoy stuff for what they are. Yeah. So maybe that's why I can handle a lot more sci-fi stuff more than other people. No, I, 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 I think some of that stuff is is good for what it is. I know I can't remember the last one I watched. I guess it probably was Giant Shark versus Mega Octopus or something or mega shark versus giant octopus. I can't remember. It was the one where the shark jumped out of the water and took the plane down. So, yes. So it was one of the mega shark ones, but I think Deb, Debbie Gibson was in it. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember thinking, this is perfectly made for what it is. This is, this exactly. is exactly what it should be. So yeah, that's great. The, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think the film touches on everything and I think you did a great job. You know, I know huh. that, you know, we're, we're doing an interview here and a discussion and we're friends and whatnot, but I do think you did a great job, uh, tackling this genre, this much beloved genre for us, uh, film fans. I want to challenge you with something though, as we kind of, uh, but, but thank you for the compliments. <laughs> oh, no, thank always, you. Always, man. I, you know, I, I love you to death. You know, you I consider <laughs> you one of my oldest friends doing this podcast and I know Will would tell you the same thing. Um, if he was here. I want, I want I you to, you. yeah, I want you to give me, if you can, and you don't have to, because I'm kind of hitting you on the spot here. I want you to give me your top three, maybe lesser known shark movies, and then maybe your top three derivatives. They don't have to be lesser known. They can just be your top the derivatives of Jaws, uh, ripoffs, so to speak, however you want to say, however you want to do it. So let's kind of, we'll, we'll kind of talk through this. I'm not going to pressure you or anything else, uh, but if you can't, you can't, but if you can, and I'm, I know your brain, I know how you think I've known you for a while. I'm sure you can run off three of each of these. So I'm going to let you think about that for a second. I, I can tell you, I can give you my top three derivative versions immediately. And because it's easy for me, it's, it's Orca, Orca three is part is number three. Grizzly's number two, and Piranha's number one. Those three have never mm. changed for me because I love those. We didn't talk about Orca doing this interview and stuff, but Orca is such a bizarre creation. <laughs> it is. It's a classy movie too. It is. It's it's an insane movie. It's actually a movie that makes me cry. And mm-hmm. there there are movies like that, and I'm a very emotional movie watcher. But that one makes me cry. And oh, I don't I don't blame you. Part partially because it does put you on the side of the orca, and so mm-hmm. you're so the whole film you're identifying with an orca. <laughs> so it's, oh, totally, it's crazy. But the, those oh, are it, those are the derivative derivative ones. But, but I just wondered it's if a, you. It's such a brutal opening to what oh, they. Yeah, it is. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 a great movie. It's 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 seen as. It's weirdly seen as, you know, like those De Laurentiis films of the seven, late 70s and early 80s. Uh, 
they're always kind of seen mm-hmm. as kind of trashy because they're kind of this weird American Italian mix, right? Mm-hmm. They got this Italian feel, but they got a little bit more of an American feel than Italian films did. Like I always think of Flash Gordon too, which totally has an Italian feel, <laughs> but it it also has oh, an totally. American feel. It seems like De Laurentiis kind of got it, and King Kong, his version of King Kong, and and everything, all that kind of stuff. It always has a slightly trashy feel, but at the same time, there's something always kind of classy about De Laurentiis jams too. So, oh no, totally, because he um, he I think he followed the canon model where he just wanted to treat. Um, like what should be a B movie as an A movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He would have loved so, to, he would have loved to have been around during this era. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Let me, Oh, totally. Right. He yeah. would have, he would have been, <laughs> he would have loved it, man. <laughs> There'd be so many superhero movies right now. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine what his superhero <laughs> movies would have been like. Oh, I can imagine. Oh, maybe he would have killed it. <laughs> possibly but i would have i would have loved his efforts i would have loved his efforts in trying to kill it oh my god okay let me okay first okay let me give you <laughs> my top three okay i'm not gonna include jaws yeah okay it's definitely deep blue sea it's okay. definitely last shark oh nice nice we didn't talk about that but obviously we yeah, are. I'm a fan of that one as well. <laughs> and yeah, no, it's a, a, a masterwork. <laughs> God, man, coming up with the third one of like probably my favorite is is is, is rough because I don't want to put a Jaws one in there because that's just plain. It's too easy. Well, how do you feel about? Let me ask this question because you know we may as well ask this question while we're on the subject. Um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about? I'm not going to ask about Jaws 3 and Jaws 4 because I think they're their own special kind of entity. But I always ask people, because in the documentary, it's kind of mentioned that Jaws 3 is where it kind of full tilt or maybe Jaws 4 in some ways kind of jumps the shark, quote unquote. But for mm-hmm. me, Jaws 2 is like the beginning of like real kind of like shark exploitation for me because Jaws 2 is a very exploitive, in my opinion, shark movie. I mean, you got Scarface Jaws. I mean, it's yeah, totally. It's a, yeah. It's a total monster movie. Like the first film is a movie. But Jaws 2 is a monster movie. And it, yes. I think it's underrated, honestly. It, it is. It's a perfect sequel because yeah. it looks like Jaws. It feels like it's not Jaws, but it just it feels like it. Yeah. It, it, it comes really close. I mean, it doesn't, you know. It's the Death nothing- Wish 2 of shark movies. <laughs> yes, there you go. It's, it's good though. It's a solid movie. You get enough of the shark. It's a it, the shark looks great. The sequence. It's a fun movie. I think it's a good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. I, I would never say it's it's bad. I think it would definitely be. It's in my. It would if I if I had a top five, it'd definitely be in the top five. Nice. Yeah, it'd be in my you know, top. It have well. to be because it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's good. But still figuring out my third one is hard because, I mean, it would probably be between, I guess, The Shallows and 47 Years Down because there's nice. like two solid movies. Nice. I mean, I like bait. I mean, I'm cheating because I'm going to keep mentioning shark movies I like. So, <laughs> But I think definitely it would be, I mean, if it was a top three, it's definitely Jaws, Deep Blue Sea, The Last Shark. Nice. Those are, the, those are my three favorite shark movies. And they're probably three of the best. I think... The Last Shark is a masterpiece because it's really trying to beat like how Jaws 2 
<laughs> yes. It's really trying. It's trying. And yeah. and it, there's something about it. It's like a great summer movie. Mm-hmm. It you is. Know? It is. The, uh, the interesting Under- thing, Deep Blue okay, Sea yeah. is really kind of, you know, the first time I saw Deep Blue Sea, I didn't love it. I liked it. I didn't love it. But it's interesting. Deep Blue Sea, for me, that has really been a grower over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, probably because it's bonkers in some ways, you know, and you kind of, a uh, you kind of, uh, uh, tackle that a little bit in the documentary about, you know, sharks not being able to get Alzheimer's sharks, not being able to get cancer, you know, so it takes this kind of Frankenstein approach to the Mako shark. And, and because of that, I think it, it works. And I think it has actually that really good sequence of the, the kind of flooded underground area. And the water just being deep enough where people can stand up in it a little bit and swim in a little bit. And the sharks kind of being in that small area that works really well. Yes. <laughs> no, a great- it's a, it's a badass movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a great film. Like Thomas Jane's delete. I mean, yeah. by the way, not to kiss your guys asses, but like one of my favorite things you guys ever did was interview Thomas Jane <laughs> yeah. while he was like walking around <laughs> he's walking around like a farmer's market or something i had no yeah. idea i still don't know what he was doing it was uh it was one of the weirdest interviews we ever did i love tom jane and if he's listening to this yeah. by any chance tom i'd love to talk to you again but wow what an interview that was that was a bizarre what? one <laughs> One of the most badass interviews I've ever heard, man. Yeah, it was crazy. We were just kind of looking. We didn't have cameras on, but I, I, as soon as I hung up, we, we were all three, me, David Alcock, and uh, Will were just like, did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> that was weird. Right? You guys, you guys are telling him to watch uh, Cry of a Prostitute and stuff. It yeah. was so badass, man. Yeah. I hope he did. I hope he did, because he, <laughs> he he's definitely that kind of movie fan. So, okay, yeah, top three kind of derivatives. So I guess these are kind of, these are animal-based Jaws ripoffs or maybe not even animal. Maybe they can be like the car. Uh, Some would argue the Duel is essentially a a Jaws ripoff, but it can't be because it came before Jaws. (laughs) It it, it did, actually. Um, I mean, it's definitely Alligator, and I hate to cheat. It's just such a, it's like, it's the greatest. Yeah. I mean, like I guess Lake Placid and Alligator and Dark Age. There's actually a lot of pretty badass killer alligator movies, actually crocodile movies. But Alligator was like it was a huge one for me as a kid. Oh, and man. you mentioned yeah. it earlier, but Killer Fish was a huge one for me as a kid. Yeah, and it took me years to track it down. Yeah, I used to like, rent it, took- it in that gigantic clamshell. Oh my god! The, I think Warner Brothers, I think put it out, and they had a gigantic green clamshell. I th- I'm pretty sure I'm right about. That. I don't know 100. percent I just remember taking it up to the desk every time we would rent it uh, <coughs> because we thought it was this amazing action movie. And what's funny is if you go back and watch it as a grown person, there's not a whole lot of action in Killer Fish. <laughs> no, nah, but it was a it was a pretty badass movie as a kid. Like, yeah. um. I mean, I'm trying to think of, off the top of my head. Damn, this is a hard one. Because Eaten Alive wouldn't be a Jaws ripoff. It's such a good movie. No, it's kind of a, well. Yeah. Now, think, I mean, there's an alligator in it. When that movie, when as a kid, I didn't like it. But then when that movie was re-released later on, and you could actually see how colorful it is. It was like, holy yeah. shit, this is fucking great. Yeah. I'm trying not to stick to all bear movies. That's the hard thing because I was going to say I, I, I recently watched a movie called Red Surf, 
which I happen to really like a lot. It was the director of who directed Red Surf again. I rented it because it was him. I watched it on Tubi. Who who did Red Surf? I don't Red know. Surf is this movie that starts off about these kids that are going to go surfing near sharks, and but then somehow like a, a like a crocodile starts coming after them. Oh, it's still on. Not the George Clooney Red Surf. Hold on, nineteen ninety nine was it? Reds? No, it keeps bringing me up. Red Surf with George Clooney. Is it? Is it, bl- is it Blood Surf? Bloods? Is that what it is? It Blood might be. Surf. Let me see. Blood, Blood Surf. Surf, MTV style filmmaker, as she and her crew yeah. shoot an expose. Yeah, 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 that one I really liked. Yeah, that's what it was. Blood Surf. Okay. Who okay. Directed that. That was um, James D. R. James- Hickox. Okay, so it's Anthony Hickox's brother. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm very. I, I'm a big fan of Anthony Hickox. Yes. Yeah. So his brother made Children of the Corn three, which is awesome. Oh, nice. A lot of people don't realize Children of the Corn two and three are pretty badass movies. Yeah, man. they're pretty like good. A kid, yeah, yeah, like the kid like remote controlling the girl, the old woman in a, in a wheelchair. Yeah. In part two, it's so yeah. badass. But anyway, I, I watched Blood Surf because his brother directed it, and I I really enjoyed it. It was like a it was a fun watch. Nice. And it was one I haven't seen before. I'm gonna have um, to check it out. Yeah, that one's cool, and uh, I like. Like I brought up before, uh, Tentacles is one that I really like a lot. Man, I wish my brain is not working very good to think about other derivative. I've been so into sharks, thinking about other animals right now is like dumbfounding. <laughs> yeah. I think you've given us quite a few, uh, to be honest with you, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, and- it's it's hard to go wrong with grizzly. Grizzlies, yeah, it's and so good. Alligator, I can almost put alligator in my top three. Actually, you know, I love grizzly so much. I could probably put alligator in there because, yeah, it's you know, a masterpiece. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it's it's just great. And I I just you watched up- a Lewis Teague film recently that we're going to be covering on the show pretty soon. I just think Lewis Teague was he's he was underrated, mm-hmm. underrated director. No, no, totally. And I brought Killer Fish because you brought Piranha. I want to put it have to be Piranha too. I think it would be Piranha, Alligator, and Grizzly are the the three yeah are the three best yeah yeah yeah. and then an underrated it's definitely there's one called red water that came out for tv back in the early 2000s and when it came out for tv i kind of was judging it weird Mm -hmm. but now if you watch it it's a prosthetic shark it's actually a, a cool fun shark movie with a heist in it and bad guys and it's a fun movie i think it kind of kicks ass nice and 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 one from the sci-fi channel era which i brought up already was planet of the sharks i like that because it's water world with sharks (laughs) and how they pulled it off on a low budget i mean i'm not saying it's like a masterpiece but it was one of those sci-fi channel ones i watched one night and I was like, just kind of enjoying it for what it was, but it's just, but that's a sci-fi channel movie. Nice, I need to check that one. But out. Uh, yeah, but uh, Swamp Shark was the other one I liked. I like Swamp Shark because it's Robert Davi's in it, <laughs> and it was it was before the shark movie started going to CGI, so it's part practical. Uh, and they did the same thing with Dino Shark. If you're able to see, like, oh, Shark Night 3D is pretty badass too. I think Shark Night 3D has to be on there because it's a really mean shark movie that got away with a PG 13. Interesting. It's a, it's really mean. Have you seen it? I have not. I have not. So you're giving I, me, I would, you're giving me shark movies to watch, which is great. Yeah. Shark night 3d is worth watching. Cause it's really mean. 
and they give you a it, it's a it's i think it's a really i think it's one that i think when it came out it um i don't think it was appreciated but i think it's one of those that just aged really well that you could appreciate now more than when it came out nice i'm definitely gonna have to write yeah, these so down have to, so it'd probably be red water uh shark knight 3d and i will say and i would probably do ghost shark as my number three this is very hard answering these because <laughs> there's so much and i'm like ah. Oh, what do I choose? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I have to ask this and, uh, obviously we can, uh, we can wrap it up after this. Um, I have to ask this. You're around the same age as me. Uh, we probably grew up listening to similar music. I would say so with some of your production history, possibly, but did you ever listen to the, this is a weird, like out of left field question. But I didn't know if you ever listened to the the surfing MOD EP from uh, MOD Method of Des- uh, Method of Destruction, I think is what they were called. Uh, they, the guys that used to be well, Billy Milano was the lead singer of SOD, uh, Stormtroopers of Death. Oh, yes. Uh, so, no, I didn't. Um, no, is that not Sacred Reich? No, 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 um, not, not Sacred Reich. Not th- I'm getting that confused with surfing in Cambodia. So yeah, so they 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 did an EP. No, I didn't. I, I'm not aware of this. I'll yeah. have to write this down. Yeah, you'll have to because it's it's all kind of Jaws based. And oh, it is. It, yeah, it's really kind of bizarre because it kind of acts it out, and it's got like an inspector, and it it's a really weird EP. It's almost like a movie in like hardcore music form. It's a very bizarre creation, huh. but I wanted to get that out there for folks who maybe have never listened to it. Wait, what's the group again? Mod. Mod. Oh, it's Mod. I'm yeah. not familiar with M. O-D. Oh, M- yeah. M- oh, M-O-D, of course. And they were S-O- – so now I'm writing it out. I see it. No, yeah. I don't know it, though. Yeah, you should. I remember should I out. remember them. I remember the T-shirts, but that was a band that never listened to. Um, I remember Stormtroopers of Death in Fangoria posing with Freddy. Yeah. yeah. At one point. Yeah. I remember that. and But I never listened to him. As a kid, it was so hard because you could only save up so much money to buy certain albums. Yeah. We didn't have as much yeah. stuff available to you as like these kids do nowadays, yeah. right? <laughs> I know. Now I can just go on YouTube and probably find it there. With well, like, no, well that, that album right there, you can go on any of the streaming services. It's on there. I was listening to it it's before cr- our interview. Crazy. <laughs> and I don't even know if there's a physical copy of it available anywhere. I bought it. When I was a kid, I bought it as a tape. And the reason why I bought it <laughs> was because I had read a review saying it was like this audio version of MOD's quote unquote Jaws movie. And I'm like, what in the hell is this idea? And it's just oh, a I'm really, sure. biz- it's a bizarre, like little seven, six or seven song EP. It's MOD EP. Yeah. What's the name of the EP again? Uh, it's just called Surfing MOD. Oh, Surfing MOD. Okay. Yeah. There's That's a couple cover way. songs on there, one from Chicago and one from the Beach Boys. But uh, yeah, but it's a it's a it's a bizarre creation. So oh, I'll check that out uh, for a second. Though I wanted to, it didn't work. Um, my brother in law did the did the uh, was my was did the music for the documentary. Yeah, uh, but for a second there, I was hoping to get like more of those horror surf bands to compose it, like uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the ghastly ones and bands. But it just didn't work. It just doesn't fit. Uh-huh. You know, it's hard when you're when you're imagining something, it's one way. But then when you actually sit down and you try to put tracks to you're like, oh, that's, you know, yeah. And luckily, thank God my brother-in-law is a composer and he came in and. Yeah, I, I got to say, <laughs> I, 
I'm thinking now watching the documentary, I've seen it twice, trying to oh, picture, yeah, trying to picture the ghastly ones. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't see it. You, you probably, you yeah. probably took the right approach. <laughs> yeah. It just wouldn't work. But I love those guys so much back yeah. in the day. And I was like, ah, maybe it would be so cool, but you know, it, you know, you, you could imagine something, but yeah. Yeah. No, they, I, I can only imagine what it's like to be, I always have these images, you know, because I never, I never have made a film, but obviously I've always kind of wanted to do it, and I always have these thoughts in my head of, you know, shots in my head, and you probably think the same way because you, you know, you you think visually in some ways, uh, in most ways probably, and you know, I have these images of like you know somebody like a teenager getting out of a car and like a really cool song playing, and he's walking toward the the females and stuff, you know, from like the '80s sex comedies mm-hmm. and stuff. And I always picture in my in my head that I'm it's going to be this song, and then I think to myself. I'm probably the only person that would think that was cool. <laughs> and probably the only person, which, uh, you All know, right. maybe someday I'll share that private uh, fantasy with you, what that song is, but not on the air. Oh, I'm not gonna... please. I hear you. <laughs> All good, man. Well, Steve, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me. Uh, again, I know we've been friends for a long time. I know we don't always stay in touch as closely as I wish we could. We are on two different coasts. You got your life. I got mine. But... I do consider you a dear friend and I, I want to congratulate you so much on this documentary. I think you did a great job, man. Like, Oh dude, thank you so much again for your kind words. I yeah. appreciate it. I re- thank you for having me on. Yeah. I would recommend everybody check this out. Um, it's, it's, it's a great documentary. I mean, it's for me, this is as important to, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Mike Malloy's uh, Eurocrime documentary. It's, it's important to, to celebrate these genres because they are a subculture that uh, people tend to forget about. They look at them as not even B movies. They look at them as Z grade movies in some of these instances and stuff. And I think even though the shark movie got uh, mostly stayed B to C, uh, definitely there's some Z in there, no doubt. Mm-hmm. You tackle yeah. some of that in your in your movie, but uh, you know these these genres they should be celebrated. And uh, I think you did a great job celebrating the genre. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Anything else you want to, I mean, I know obviously you're kind of pushing this and I know we're a little late to the game. I kind of wanted to get to you before I did. First of all, I want to say I didn't expect them to release your film when they did. I I knew it was coming. I thought I would get the information (laughs) from you, but then boom, I woke up one day and it was on shutter. I was like, Oh wow. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of, yeah, there wasn't a lot of push to know it was coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they they picked the right week to put it out. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, totally. Shark Week. <laughs> yeah, Shark Week, and then the Meg Two hitting theaters. I mean, that yeah. was that, that was smart. Pretty and cool. I would, uh, you know, I would tell. I haven't seen the Meg Two. You've read for it a little bit, but I got to say, this is for me. This is probably better. it's got to be better than that. But you know, that's I, I appreciate, dude. Thank you, and uh, yeah. thank you for push for putting the word out of the movie because it hasn't been advertised a lot, and a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. So any way to get the the word out is helpful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was cool to be back on the show. I haven't been on the show, I think in 10 years, I think yeah. that was the last time I was. Yeah. I mean, I show, can't remember. So. I can't remember the last time I was in LA. It might've been almost 10 years. <laughs> I know. I think that was the last time we all hung out like <laughs> yeah. you, Kelly and yeah, yeah. like group and miles. Yeah, dude, yeah. It was a long, I think it was like down in like, some beach community or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was wherever Rupe was. I don't know if Rupe's still living where he lives, so we don't need to talk about that. On the oh, air. it was that one. That's yeah. right. It was the, the when we watched that show. Yeah, okay. Then yeah. the beach. Well, one that's when we went cool. down there. But I think we may have. 
<laughs> we may have met up the night before. You may have been. In, were you in that first group, that first meetup? Yeah, anyway, that's. Yeah, yeah. I, know, it's, I hear you. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been a long time. There is good news. Uh, there is definitely going to be some more travels to the West Coast. I Cool. I can tell you about that when I get off the air. There's a good reason why it's going to happen more frequently than uh than it has in the past i'll tell you i'll explain that to you off the air little inside baseball um awesome again thanks steve so much um thank you yeah listeners check out his documentary it is on shutter and you can check it out there you can check out uh, i would highly recommend jodorowsky's dune as well that's the other one that i have seen that i know of i have never seen new nyhc new york hardcore i need to see that at some point because obviously that speaks to me so <laughs> I need to see it. I don't know why I haven't ever seen it, but I can rep for two of them. Two of the four credits you got there, I can rep for. So uh, check it out. Um, I thank everybody that's been listening, obviously, and uh, I'll see you on the other side of uh, this podcast world. Uh, I'll say adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. 